Well, we're, uh, we're preaching for a little series which is all about rethinking connection. And uh, um, it's uh, challenging when you think about how, uh, what, what is those things which we need to rethink and uh, in regards to connecting. And uh, the gospel is one of those. And so I want to talk uh, this morning about the gospel, the simple gospel and the mercy of God. Let's pray. So, Father God, as we rethink connection, as we rethink the gospel and your love and your mercy for all people, we pray that you would touch our hearts by your spirit, that you would cause us to change the way we live and act and feel. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, this week I was listening to a podcast and uh, it was uh, a podcast that Renee had sent to me and it had a story about uh, something that happened in Queens in America and it, it, captured, it was captured on video and uh, there was, it was all through the papers and it was about this lady who, where else but America, was getting mugged and, uh, and this homeless guy, this you know, this homeless guy that a lot of people knew, he was, lived on the streets, came to this lady's rescue. And uh, she, uh, as she was yelling and screaming and trying to get away, this, this homeless guy got in there and broke her free. And uh, she ran one way and the, 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 the mugger ran the other. And uh, the homeless guy fell, fell to the ground. He'd been stabbed. And they captured this on, on actual video. And for, it took an hour and 20 minutes until the police and the ambulance came. Unfortunately, by that time, he'd actually lost a lot of blood and he'd passed, he died. Um, the amazing thing about the story is on the video, it showed uh, it was uh, 25 people walk past this homeless guy. 25. Five people. Some even went up and took photos of the man, but nobody reached out to help him. Very, very sad story. And uh, it's a little bit of a reality pill of, uh, of mankind and, and I suppose the sin that befalls us, isn't it? Um, we'd like to think that we would do different, um, but uh, as we look into the heart of man, and the heart of God. I believe that the gospel will come alive for us this morning. But right from the beginning of time, when uh, Adam and Eve first uh, rebelled against God, uh, we saw uh, Cain murder his brother Abel, and, and from that time, sin has just continued to devastate our poor creation in all its forms. Selfishness, the me first, Pride, greed, anger, envy, lust, gluttony, laziness. It is just like a plague. It has riddled uh, the human race. Like a, what I put here was an aggressive, unstoppable cancer in a human body. But the good news, the good news is the story of the gospel. How Jesus, through his son, reconciled the world back to us. 
Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. You know, 700 years before Jesus was even born. It says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. Go on there, brother. Oh, sorry. Yeah. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on, on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. The rescue plan for you and I was enacted. And Timothy 2 Verse 5 and 6 says, For there is one God, just one, and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has been witnessed to, uh, uh, witnessed to at the proper time. So there is no other name under heaven and earth which we can be saved but through Jesus Christ. And that is, that is a beautiful picture of when we were lost in our sin. When we had nowhere to go, we saw God come down and reach down to us. He demonstrated his grace to each and every one of us. In, in John 10, verse 14 to 18, Jesus states, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay, my, lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. That's the heart of God. Isn't, isn't that, it's a stri, it just strike me there. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one can take it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. This is the rescue plan. And so Jesus, as the obedient son of God, he is obedient to his father's rescue plan. And it hit me again in, in that passage there. This command I received from my father. And, and also in this little passage here, I must bring them also. There was this desperate heart, uh, desperate heart of God to, to, to not have anybody perish. He, he had sheep in his pen and they knew his voice. But he says, but I must bring in others also and this image of the good shepherd came to be associated with the idea of Jesus laying down his life for his sheep and I suppose that encourages me because it's if you want to know the gospel in its entirety is that we actually also must lay our life down for the people that God would lay his down life down for Again, uh, you know, I was chatting with, um, with Mal about this and, and uh, he read my sermon uh, last uh, yesterday afternoon and uh, I said, there's a lot of red in this. And he says, mate, 
I think it needs to be God's gospel, not man's. There needs to be a lot of red in the gospel. Well, Matthew 18, 12 says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hill and go and look for the one one that wandered off? That is God's heart that none would perish. He would leave the 99 and go for the one. What about this scripture told by Jesus? We're getting off the the sheep theme here, but Luke 15, verse 8 to 10. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, She calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me. I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. God's heart is for the one. So, Why does Jesus ask us to leave the others to find the one? Why? Why would he do that? Why does he ask us to leave the church to find the one, the building, the safe, the safe community to find the one? Why does he do that? Because the one is so important. The one is you. The one is you and you and you. We are the one. If God did not care for the one, there's, then there's a possibility he wouldn't care for you. He wouldn't want you in the kingdom. But the fact that he cares for the one, it means that no one is excluded. If he, if, if he did not care for the one, ah, gee, I would wonder whether I would be included. I could be that one that is excluded. But God cares for you and I, and he desires that no one would perish. No one is left out of God's restorative, redemptive plan and purpose. And I think we need to dwell on that. Everyone. Because that one is you. That one is me. And then we got this incredible passage that Mal read in Matthew 25. And it's a a passage where the one is incredibly important, but it shows that, that these people that um, cared for the one, you know, so they, they didn't know when they cared. The righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger or invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So you can see, it's, it's somehow in this, it's these people cared for the one. Now, if we are not conscious of the one in our lives, it may be that we actually haven't quite grasped the gospel. Because in the gospel, the one is incredibly important. 
see the one as you or see the one as your children or, or your best friend, you know. Um, the one is important and these people knew that. So it's like in their filter, as they, it's like the matrix. Everybody they looked at, they looked at it as an opportunity to lavish God's mercy and love and grace upon that person. But the people that, uh, uh, <laughs> that didn't, they, uh, they had a fairly sad fate. He says, depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They answered, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or, or sick or in prison and did not help you? He'll reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. It's something about the gospel we have to grasp. And I think it takes us out of the religious spirit and into a place of, of, um, of just grace and mercy where we perceive ourselves to be the one. We are the one that God saw and he desires that we would see others in that way. We need to continually ask the question, where am I missing God's hidden presence? The who and the why question. Who is God bringing into our lives in every situation and and why is he bringing that person? There's no accidents from God. It's sort of a, a mindset change. We've got to change the way we look at the world. For, for God dwells in the darkness, doesn't he? I mean, people's hearts are open to him when they get to the end of their rope. And somehow, if we don't switch ourselves on to God, um, uh, I saw many somewhere around there. We're talking about the abs. He's maybe out the back. But if you don't switch your core on, if you don't switch yourself in your spirit, then you're going to miss the things that God would have you see. God dwells in the darkness. He dwells in the loss of a dream. God is in the mud. He's in the job layoff. He's in the betrayal, in the interruptions, in the disappointments. He's in love. He's in food. He's in beauty. In the hidden presence You'll see him everywhere. And that's the challenge for us today, is that we need to see God in everything. Everything. And God is calling out to you and he's calling out to me to open our eyes in every situation because he values the one. And when we're in community, there's always one person. If, if they're already Christians, we've got to honour them and love them as the one. In the hidden presence, you'll see him everywhere. The rich, the young, the middle-aged, the old, the ordinary, and the homeless. It's a shame, isn't it, that, uh, that this homeless man who came to a woman's rescue, that no one saw him as somebody of precious value and worth that nobody reached out on camera. Nobody reached out and helped this guy. And I get it. 
I get it when you're busy or you're in your own mindset or you, you, you miss the, the value of, of life. You, you take people for granted. I mean, and what happens in life, if you're not switched on, it's those people that, 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 it's those people that can be annoying. They, they can bug you. You know, you know, in social work, you know, like there's people that just can drive you nuts. And, and yet, somehow... You know, I see some laughs back there. Maybe some of the parents of kids at school. Um, you know, the, it's, some people can just drive you nuts, but you've got to push past it because they don't mean to be there. Their sin is not them. Their dysfunction is not them. And, and often it's when you, when you confront aggression or you confront um, anger or you confront... Um, dysfunction with unconditional love with a sense of of acknowledging their beauty and their value with it it just changes everything it 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 just cancels out the dead and just extends love to them because most people if if you know if they're dysfunctional and uh, and they're aggressive to you if you love them what will happen their hearts will change you know if you're, what does the Bible say in Proverbs? If, if somebody is, you know, is, uh, even has a problem with you, if you can then give them a gift, it just changes their heart, their heart, heart. The, the food boxes, you know, like it's, I've, I've got neighbours who wanted nothing to do with God, nothing. But as we've been giving food boxes to them for over a year now, it is just softening their heart because of how good the love of God is. God's presence is right in our face all the time. And we can walk straight past it. That's why we need to ask the question, where are you, God? Well, he's right here. He never leaves. And we've got to discern it. We must pay attention to God because God pays attention to us. Every moment in our life, is the main moment. For those 25 people who walked past the homeless man again, bleeding to death, they lost their moment. We don't want to lose ours, do we? God's grace and mercy is extended to the whole of mankind. It's where I deserve nothing and we're given 100%, 110% by God. God gave us mercy before we asked. It's not deserved and it's not earned, is it? Some theologians say that mercy is the one word that describes God. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. The one word that really describes God is mercy. His mercy opens us to being merciful to others. And in, in one reading that I read is, is that mercy in Hebrews is likened to a womb. There's no pregnant women here. I won't draw attention to myself. Um, but I, I found that quite incredible too. The Hebrew word for, for mercy is like womb. And if you think, uh, I'm, I'm not going to push my stomach out on purpose, I'd be embarrassed about that. But could you say that I'm just, you know, uh, if I had a baby in here, what, what am I doing? I, I'm protecting something that is incredibly vulnerable. And uh, this baby uh, cannot live outside 
of my protection. And in some ways, mercy is taking somebody who is at the end of their rope and extending mercy to them in such a way that they are protected from what could hurt them. And we see this in John 8, verse 6, when Jesus bent down and he, he wrote it with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to, uh, uh, said to them, this is the lady caught in adultery, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, imagine this, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Isn't that beautiful? The extent of mercy. When this woman was completely guilty and was under the law, guilty of death. And yet the love of God was extended to her in such a way that it was, it was like she was protected. You know, um, one writer um, when I was preparing for this said, I wonder whether Jesus would have thrown his body over the adulterer if they started to throw stones. Wow. Could you picture that? The mercy. Imagine if they started to throw stones and Jesus threw his body over the adulterer to protect her. And I thought about it. Yes, that's the God we actually worship. That's him. That's the character of our God. Mercy is costly. There is a cost in entering into a person's grief. And that's what Jesus did for us. And he's doing for us. And he will do for us. When we enter into our heavenly home, he's doing it. He's thrown his body over us. And he said, no, who condemns you here? Is it going to be my brother here, my brother here, my sister here, my, my brother over here, my sister? Who's going to condemn you? Uh-uh, uh-uh. You don't have a right to judge, it says in Matthew 5. God is the only one who is the rightful judge. And he says, I can condemn you no more. This doesn't excuse sin. He did say, go and sin no more. But the mercy of God is extended to all people. And so the question I have for you is, can we, can you and I, can we be a womb for people where they can be birthed into new life in Christ? And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about, you know, we, we have, you know, we, we, we've been birthed into new life. And in some ways, we need to be a womb for people. That, that instead of being a church of, of where, where 
judgmental and critical and negative and arguing and bittering? Can we be a place where people that are hurt can find refuge, where we as the church can say, I don't judge you and I know your God and your creator will not judge you either. You know, come, sin no more. God's message is a message of mercy and grace for all people. He's not counting people's sins against them. And we are to reflect that message by his life and his love in us. Not, not it's the fruit of the spirit that we, that we show forth from our life. The fruit of his spirit. It's not my love. It's not my joy. It's not my hope. But it's his fruit in our life being, being uh, lavished on those people around us. And then I believe the kingdom will grow. So in rethinking connection, there's a lot of people in our lives that don't know Jesus. There's probably 90% of Australia that don't have a relationship with God. And so we need to rethink our connection. And our connection point is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's actually being, as it were, a womb for people where they actually can feel safe, that they can be uh, that in their vulnerability, that they can find a safe place in Christ. As if God was making his appeal through us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, um, that your gospel is so, so, so powerful. That um, from the beginning of time, this was, this was your plan. It was your plan that you would not burden people with, with rules and regulations and laws, but that by your son's death on the cross, that everyone, everyone, every single person would come into a place where they could look you in the eyes and not feel judged, but receive your, um, your words of affirmation as Renee spoke so beautifully in communion where they can become into in not being orphaned anymore but as sons and daughters of the most high God so father help us to see people help us to understand the gospel help us to lavish that love on those that you've entrusted into our sphere of influence and into our lives we pray in Jesus name amen